Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rana McBerto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. I hope we don't have any crashes today. I hope we don't have any internet problems today. I hope everything continues to work as it should, but I must make a confession, and that is I searched all the parameters. I searched the hardware. I hope we're not looking at an uh, intermittent hardware problem, but we'll see as things go along. Anyhow, we're going to have a great show for you today, and we got to get started rather, rather quickly. So anyhow, let's go ahead and talk about it. Title of the show today title of the show today, but before I get to the show, welcome aboard, Michael Rutnin, welcome aboard, Abridge MCP, AVQ. Anyhow, Michael says, there's a short list of people who shouldn't have guns, known wife beater, suspected domestic terrorist, convicted violent felon, some specific mental illness, and you add sedition participants to the list. Oh, that will kick a whole lot of people off. Keith, raise your hand if you think every insurrectionist should lose the right to own or bear weapon in addition to being placed on the no-fly list. I love that you said that because I was going to talk about that today. As a lot of these insurrectionists were going home, they realized that they were now on the no-fly list, and they wonder why. They are terrorists. We don't let terrorists fly. So these people didn't know that Donald Trump was destroying their lives, that the people who worked for Donald Trump had told them to come and be terrorists, come and be insurrectionists, would cause them the ability to fly in the United States. It has become so costly to have supported El Señor Donald Trump. Because you know what? Supporting of Donald Trump is the support of a criminal, is the support of a traitor, and in doing so, that is what you have become. Now, redemption, redemption for this will be slow. Redemption will be slow. Michael Radden also says, deaths from the coronavirus spike to over 4,000 a day. While Trump dominates the news for what should be hopefully the last time, our nation continues to grapple with a broken healthcare system and a large number of super spreaders who don't seem to care who they infect. And believe it or not, Senor Rodney, that is the first video that we have. Senators under duress or Congress people under duress and still in that position, they refuse to do the right thing. Start the clock, Rodney says. Pence has a day organized. Uh, a day to organize 25th Amendment challenge or Democrats will start the second impeachment. He doesn't really care, uh, Rudnan, whether the, 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 what, what the Democrats do. They really don't care. Anyhow, Bridge MTP said, this guy has a perfect response to the Capitol siege. I'll read that thereafter since you didn't print it out, my dear friend. And police and government were complicit. Yes, they were. Welcome aboard, Kathy Courtney. Sorry I can't stand on listening right now. Save for later. Will do. No fly. No guns. Okay, here is the first video, but here is the title. Uh, let me bring the show on to the, let you see what the show is about today. Title of the show, Why Did Insurrection Occur? Fake news, lies, complicit politicians, and more. That's what it's all about. That's more. John Cotter says, Pence is a coward and will not do the right thing. He never has and he won't start now. That's absolutely true. And Daniel Ledo says, whoa, just supporting Trump makes me a criminal? Just who are the fascists? No, supporting Trump in order to do wrong. Supporting Trump as an insurrectionist. Supporting Trump as a terrorist. Meaning going into the Capitol, beating up the cops. Going into the Capitol, searching for, for Pence to kill him. Going into the Capitol and searching and searching and hunting for the Speaker of the House in order to do her harm. That's criminal. That makes it that you are a terrorist based on you trying to change what's going on. 
Absolutely so. They belong on the no-fly list, and Trump can't save you now. Anyhow, look at the first thing. This is just to show you the evil within. I want to play this little piece where this congressperson gets infected, likely because of a whole bunch of Republican Congress people that laugh when they're asked to wear masks when they're all in close proximities. Check this out, then we'll take it on the other side. Let's pick up where we left off, and we were talking about your uh, colleague there, Congresswoman uh, Bonnie Watson Coleman. She obviously tested positive for COVID. Her office saying it was in large part, uh, they believe, to uh, the protective isolation during the insurrectionist riots that took place uh, during the uh, Capitol riots there on Wednesday. We have video of Republican members that we were showing earlier before the break. Uh, refusing to wear their masks. Uh, I'm curious to get your reaction to all of this, and did it come up on that conference call that you held earlier today? It did not come up on the conference call. I'm very much aware of the situation, and my heart goes out to Bonnie. Um, she is someone with an underlying cancer condition, and I know that she has taken great precautions when she's come to Washington. I'm very familiar with the situation. I observed exactly that conduct that you see in the video of uh, Republican colleagues who were declining the offer of masks. Um, there are a couple people there smirking at Lisa Blunt Rochester, who was trying to hand them out. And I was right behind Lisa watching it as it unfolded. And it was reprehensible, a, a real failure of, of leadership. Absolutely. It's a failure of leadership, but it also shows that they have no heart, they have no empathy, they have no humanity to know that, that just to be, just to have an ideology that harms, that allows other people without concern to be harmed. And now we have a former cancer, cancer survivor in, in dire straits because a whole lot of these guys refuse to put on masks and laugh when asked to do it. That is irresponsible. That is exactly why we are the worst country right now dealing with this virus. That is why we are dying, as as, as pointed out, at 4,000 people a day, more than a 9-11 every day. If that doesn't drive you crazy, if that doesn't show you that there's something wrong with what is occurring in America, America, something is wrong with us all if we can't see that. Something is wrong if we can't see that. Now, Katie Turr, for a long time, we have been giving Donald Trump a pass. For five years, Donald Trump has been ignored. Uh, uh, for, uh, there are few Congress uh, senators and Congress people who ran against him that pointed out this guy was a danger. They pointed out in those times this guy was evil. They pointed out that this guy was going to destroy the Republican Party. And a lot of these guys that said that now become became his sycophants, became his enablers. And now they're paying the price. And when confronted, what do they do? Listen to... Uh, Listen to John uh, John, and see what he has to say. John, uh, I forgot his last name. You'll hear it in this little piece here. You said it was Trump's taint. Doesn't the taint extend to many members of the Republican Party who have said that they didn't see that tweet or they didn't hear that sound or nobody takes him literally and just went along because they wanted judges confirmed or they wanted a, a, a tax legislation passed? No, I don't, I don't think you can attribute uh, Trump to everybody else. I think this is something that's an aberration in American politics. 
Uh, it's resulted in a tragedy, as we saw on Wednesday. Uh, but to try and blame everybody else, I think, uh, is simply more Washington politics. How is it more Washington politics when the president of the United States, who ran as a Republican, is a member of the leader of the GOP, has, has incited an armed insurrection on the Capitol, and he got to that point because Republican lawmakers refused to hold him accountable for years. Republican donors refused to hold him accountable. Instead of saying what he is saying is not true, instead of calling out the lies, they fed into it, they ignored it, or in cases where they're with Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz most recently, uh, feeding into the lies and, and, and saying that they're true, that there was fraud out there and that the voters shouldn't believe in the 2020 election. Well, I think there are certainly some people who were part of his uh, effort to prevent the uh, certification of the election who did participate in the lives, and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be held accountable. But it just is uh, unrealistic and unfair to hold everybody else responsible for what uh, one person has done. And I think that that is, uh, that is a political tactic that we can see. It's one of the reasons why it's important to purge the taint of Trumpism, much the same way uh, William F. Buckley Jr. tried to push the John, successfully pushed the John Birch Society out of the conservative movement because he warned at the time that, in part, if we didn't do that, that the left would try to anathematize the entire conservative movement, which is exactly what you're trying to do now. Does that mean purging Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz individually, people who have supported this lie, this most recent lie? What about Mo Brooks? What about Kevin McCarthy? Well, I think individual Republicans are going to have to make decisions whether they support uh, individuals who uh, have participated uh, in, in this effort to stop the election from being certified. It just sounds like you're pushing it off into the future. Individual Republicans are going to have to do this. What, what does that mean exactly? Fixing this problem, uh, I had hoped originally could be done fairly quickly. It's evident it's going to take more time. There are millions of Americans who still be, believe that the election was fraudulent. And it's not just Donald Trump saying it. It's uh, a lot of Republican lawmakers in the House, Republican lawmakers That's in the Senate, major, Republican voices on Fox News. I mean, there are a major, lot of people involved in this. It's not just Donald Trump. There are a major part of what we have to do is make sure that the evidence gets out there uh, that shows that this systematic fraud didn't occur. It will take work. I don't deny it. But it's not only that the systematic fraud didn't occur. <clears throat> It's about the continuum of lies that you tell your audience. It's the continuum of lies that you tell your audience about those of us on the left. It is a continuum. You don't tell them that the things that we want for America are the things to make their lives better. You don't tell them that the reason you don't support the policies that progressives support is because it costs the wealthy a little bit more and that they, in their capitalist notion, simply wants it all. You don't tell them that, you, that all they want is indentured servitude and what we are fighting for is an egalitarian society. If you were to tell them the truth, you know that Americans would want what we are offering. And you know what? That is why I have another piece to play uh, that, that will talk about that. But you know what you have created? I want to show you the, the, the mentality that your evil has done to good people. This is a good woman. Check this out. It's, our, it's meant to be funny, this guy who did it, but the, the pain of this woman is evident. Check this out. 
Look, did you make it inside the Capitol though? Yeah, Capitol? I, I made it like a foot inside and they pushed me out and they maced me. As they should. What's your name? My name is Elizabeth. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, Elizabeth, why was you there anyway? We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. She's the copy that We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. That is what they told her. We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. That is what those evil people who lead the Trumpist movement have been doing continuously. Misleading good people. Screwing with good people's minds. And that is what we have to work with. That is what we, good people, have to try to work with. And that is one of the reasons that I constantly say, do not hate those people that did that. Understand that they were fooled. Understand that their minds were screwed with. Understand that their, their, their insecurities, their fears were used against them. Work with them. And that is what I preach. Actually, I talk about that in my book, It's Worth It. Because that is what we have to do. That is what we have to do. Anybody in certain circumstances can fall into the wrong types of mentalities. And I, I believe that, Brother Yakub. I know, I know they're settlers. I know, I know all of that, Yakub. But we are still one country, right? And we can, we can have people change. Anyhow, uh, folks, if you're just joining us, if you're with us, please remember the one thing I need everybody to do to make sure everybody sees these programs is for you to share, for you to share. Okay, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross at MSNBC uh, said something that I, I really, that I did a little post on. I want you to take a look at it, and then we'll take it on the other side. There is a reason why diversity is important in the newsroom. There's a reason why diversity is important all over in medicine, everywhere. We've discussed that on in, at other times before. But in the newsroom, it is so important. And you know what? It's not important for those who are the, the ones that are generally not there. In other words, it's not more important for, let's say, black people or Latinos or whatever to have black people and Latinos in the newsroom. That's not the issue. It's really for everybody, specifically for the majority population as well, for white people to have it. Because when you don't have the diversity that comprises who you are, who we are, we, get a, we, we have a tendency to create fallacies. And when we create these fallacies, we allow demagogues like Donald Trump to create false sense of realities, believable realities, that then culminate into what we saw as in at the Capitol when we had that insurrection, when we had those traitors rushing to the Capitol. Most of them were probably innocent traitors. They thought they were right. They thought something was being taken away from them, and they had to take their country back. Some of these people genuinely believe that, and it is because many times they have seen the light through one set of lens, one that can refract it, one that can reflect it, one that can do the things to prevent them from knowing their real history, to prevent them from knowing the history of all. I loved what uh, Tiffany Cross did here. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. 
self-awareness GOP, why don't you look into it? But there is one last falsehood that we really do need to address. Every time these atrocities happen, like the kidnapping and caging of migrant children at the southern border, racist comments and tweets from government officials, and these mass shootings, there's a chorus of people from the shrinking majority who decry, this is not who we are. But isn't it though? To quote Childish Gambino, this is America. And let's finally have an honest conversation about it. America was not founded on peace and prosperity. It was taken from the Native Americans with blood and fury. It was not built on equity and equality. It was built on the backs of the enslaved. The country did not allow opportunity for everyone. It afforded power to a privileged few. For so long, their American dream was our American nightmare. So let's not feign surprise when white supremacy rears its ugly head again and again and again and again. Or when a mad MAGA crowd is allowed to violently attempt to disrupt democracy. Now, it may not be who we want the country to be, but crowds of mostly white people violently fighting to maintain rule is as old as the Battle of Jamestown and as American as apple pie. That is such an important statement. Your American dream has been our American nightmare. A nightmare that one still lives. A nightmare of watching, you know, when, when we saw that insurrection, many people asked, uh, oh my God, they were so surprised that that was happening. But you know what surprised people that look differently? That these people showed no fear for police. Police were there to serve them. For others, people show fear for police because they know that if they are chasing a cop with a gun, that cop wouldn't be running. That cop would have turned around and shot them. Why is diversity important? Why is all sorts of diversity important? Though there, there are so many people who just believe in, the, in that storybook, America. There's nothing unpatriotic about saying, about talking about who we really are. There's nothing unpatriotic about speaking about who we were or how we were formed. It is patriotic to say, I know the flaws that we've had. I know the flaws that we still have. And we can work after acknowledging these flaws to make the country what we really want it to be. But to do that, you have to first understand. Nobody is taken away something from you. You've, it's something you've never had. This country was founded to protect a very few. And most of those fighting for something that they've never had were never a part of the few that this country was founded for. As we became a more intellectual country, a more liberal country, a more progressive country, more of us realized that the economic system that, this, that was created under this, this country, that the social system that was created under this system needed modification. Those of us that are naturalized citizens like yours truly were, are able to understand why 
people outside of this country have certain sentiments about this country and we can mitigate what goes on in this country to ensure that there can be change there as well. Diversity in communication. Diversity in this union. Diversity in the media. Diversity everywhere, in medicine, everywhere, makes us that real melting pot, not in rhetoric, but in reality. It makes us a nation for everyone, not in rhetoric, but in something we can all live. And we will only get there. We will only get there acknowledging the truth, and we can only acknowledge the truth having everybody at the table. We, all right, folks, did you guys see Nancy Pelosi last night? I was real upset at Leslie Stahl because Leslie Stahl is, re, you know, everybody's got stale on Donald Trump. Everybody knows Donald Trump now is a traitor. Everybody knows Donald Trump is a very evil person and that he's a danger. At first, they could tolerate the evil person because he wasn't costing anybody any money. But you know what? He started to cost folk some money. So everybody is beating down on Donald Trump now, but they can't allow the progressive mantra to reign. So now they're still back with the way the media likes to create false equivalencies. Check this out and see what I'm talking about. After watching the interview with Nancy Pelosi and Leslie Stahl, I could not help but be very concerned about the media repeating the same mistakes of the past by creating false equivalences. I want to play this little piece for you, and there are two issues that I want to take on, and tell me what you think about this. In the election in November, someone said that the mandate that the Democrats won was not about issues because you lost so many seats, that the mandate was for tone and attitude and a strong desire for compromise. I do know that it was a mandate for us to go forward with an agenda for America's working families, as well as to do so in tone. We have a responsibility to find common ground. When we can't, we must stand our ground, but we have a responsibility to try. You are not known as a person who can't. A mistake, and I would not, and nobody expects me to, to support something that solidifies injustice in our country. Now, here's the issue. First of all, uh, she, she allowed this notion that somehow because we lost seats, not the majority, Democrats lost seats in 2020. Why? Well, likely in 2018 was so big, we won a lot of seats we likely shouldn't have won, seats that were marginal. And likewise as well, Donald Trump did bring a lot of Republicans out. Why? Because they wanted to get rid of Donald Trump. So they voted for re the Republicans and got rid of Don and then voted for Biden. So there are a lot of issues that explains why it is that Democrats lost seats in, in, in uh, 2020. Now, likewise, there's some a few technical issues with regards to uh, Democrats not doing things the way they should. In other words, not really defining defund the police, not really defining a lot of these progressive issues that when defined, when, when you don't run from them, but when you define it and you, and you challenge those who challenge you as opposed to cowering to those who challenge you can actually make a difference because Americans are on the side of progressives when you ask them the questions specifically. Now, if you allow Republicans to create the narrative, 
that is when we fail. But here is the big issue, the COVID bill. The COVID bill that Leslie Stahl says, well, you didn't want to compromise. That's not true at all. You put the COVID bill out there the way the Congress works. The Senate is supposed to pick up that bill. They can vote on that bill. They can make modifications to the bill. And then it goes into reconciliation. Both of them get together and decide, since your bill is different than my bill, we, we then put it together. The, the McConnell didn't even put the bill to the floor. So let's be clear here. The obstruction was obvious and the un obstruction was one-sided. Don't be fooled or cowered into saying McConnell wants you to wants the House to give them a finished bill that then they just pass the way we want it because the bill you give us is the bill that we asked for as opposed to saying we will compromise together. So Nancy Pelosi did not answer that correctly. She did say that, yes, the reason why I will not compromise uh, is because we have to make sure that the state's taken care of. We have to make sure that teachers are taken care of, first responders, etc. But she should have also said that McConnell did not do his part by bringing the bill to the floor. And why didn't he bring the bill to the floor? Because the bill as is, would have passed in the Senate. So there was only one obstructionist there, and that was McConnell. Now, to come and say that a Democrat came and said, oh, uh, we look like obstructionists, that Democrat, instead of going out there and telling the media that we look like obstructionists, should be have been out there saying, McConnell is an obstructionist for not bringing the bill to the floor. Not by saying Nancy Pelosi needs to change the bill and take it to McConnell. It is the way the system works and McConnell didn't follow it. Now, we have to learn how to not allow a media to make believe that things are not the way they are. Again, the reality is Nancy Pelosi was not the obstructionist. And Nancy Pelosi, in that interview, should have made Leslie Stahl understand how Congress really works instead of taking up the McConnell, the right-wing, and centrist Democrats' uh, notions that somehow she needed to give McConnell a bill that he would accept as opposed to him bringing a bill to the floor and saying, we are going to go into commit into a... Uh, into uh, bring bring some dem bring the Senate and the House together to negotiate what the bill the final bill is going to look like. Again, this is where the media fails. This is where Democrats don't know how to carry the narrative many times, and this is where Speaker Pelosi, who is always on her toes, allowed Leslie Stahl to create a false sense of uh, a, a false equivalence. We need to guard against that. All of the times, because it is evident that the media, yes, they don't want they they, they they don't want Donald Trump, but they are very scared that Americans get what they really want, because that is against the interest of the center, and that is most Americans want progressive policies when defined and when the narrative is there and expressed in a manner that isn't scary, a scary lie that both the media and the right wing and the establishment puts out there. Absolutely so. And here's the message. How can Democrats not mess up in 2022 like they did in 2016, like they did in 2010? Here is the answer, and it comes from no other than Ezra Klein.
there was a message today from Ezra Klein, a uh, new New York uh, columnist, that I think uh, people should heed. Let's listen to it, and then I want to say a few things on the other side. Check this out. Ezra, you know there's going to be a big debate in, within the Democratic Party about what Biden should do. Should you take this moment, which may be just two years, where you have the Senate and the House, and do something big? Should you go uh, do something more incremental? Should Joe Manchin be the, uh, the power broker in Washington? What's your advice? I'm writing a piece on this now, and it's very simple. Just help people fast. That's it. Everything you can do to help people fast, to reattach them to politics, to show them that it matters who is in charge, who is in government. It is notable that on the same day as the insurrection at the Capitol, what happened that reshaped politics that day was not that Trumpists took back the Capitol, which they didn't. It's that Democrats took back the Senate, which they actually did. So they are now going to have an opportunity to govern as a trifecta, as a governing trifecta. And they need to help people. They need to make that matter. They need to make it matter in clear and visible ways. They need to make it matter in a way where people know the government helped them, the Democrats helped them, and that politics matters beyond these symbolic collisions, beyond what they see on Twitter. It actually matters for getting things like vaccine rollout right, but also getting checks into their hands, getting health insurance more secure, getting climate change under control, and a hundred other things that need to happen. Democrats can't be too technocratic and clever. They can't wait too long to roll out their help. They can't get involved in gangs and negotiations forever. They just have to help people fast. So you have in the past been in favor of uh you know, electoral college reform or ending the filibuster or Puerto Rico, D.C. statehood, you would say, let that all take a back seat. First, just get get money out, fix problems fast. I wouldn't say that necessarily takes a back seat. Whether they can do it, we'll see. But particularly filibuster reform, getting rid of the filibuster or deciding to open up budget reconciliation a new way is going to be necessary to legislate quickly. Process is policy in, in, in these regards. If you can't get anything from the Senate, you can't help people. So the idea that you can separate process and policy just isn't true. And I would say for the Joe Manchins of the world, if they think they're going to get reelected, if people don't like how Joe Biden and the Democrats govern, they're wrong. That was a mistake Democrats made, red state Democrats made in 2000 and they got wiped out in 2010. The way you get reelected if you're in a purple or red state is people think your party did a great job. They're not going to separate you from the president. They're going to judge you based on how they judge the president. And that is something, first of all, uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin ought to see and see quickly because he will be the stumbling block for Democrats as we go for filibuster reform. He's the one that will want to block it. The only way we can get things done fast is if we get rid of the filibuster. The only way we can show people that government work is that we don't have those who don't believe that government works for the regular person to create backstops, to create backlogs. The only way to avoid that is to go immediately against the filibuster and make sure that Democrats can put through the policies that help people fast. One, get checks into their hands. Two, make sure that we start to move employment, rather, two, make sure that we get the pandemic ha under control. Three, make sure that we start, start generating jobs with infrastructure projects immediately. It can be done, but you have to take out the roadblocks. You have to take out all those people that are going to run into the into Washington, the lobbyists that are going to run into Washington to get their piece of the pie, not the piece of the pie for the American people, but the corporate piece of the pie they're going to be fighting over as Americans wait to see what corporate piece of the pie will help the American people. Absolutamente no. 
we need to make sure and decide, be decisive, get rid of the filibuster, bring in Puerto Rico as a state and D.C. as a state. All of that can be done concurrently. It's not like these guys have a hell of a lot of work to do uh, other than legislate. And let's be clear, it's not a foregone conclusion that the party in power will lose seats in the Congress, in the House. So let's, let's be clear here. Uh, if you make and if you help people fast, it is guaranteed that you will pick up Senate seats in the midterms. It is guaranteed that you will pick up House seats in the midterm. So if you follow the path... It's not only going to be a success for the American people, but it will be a success for growing the Democratic Party. So let's get busy and help people fast. Ezra Klein is absolutely right. Make Americans see visibly in their pocketbooks that government does work and that plutocracy is the enemy. Absolutely. Plutocracy is the enemy. The interview that we were supposed to play on Friday, here we go. It's an important interview and it falls right into place as well. So let's go ahead and get busy with it. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, a former partner at McKinsey & Company, Helen Lee Buigis has, held, uh, has helped transform more than 25 firms. Over the course of a 25-year career, she has raised hundreds of millions of dollars in capital, renegotiated billions of dollars in debt, and brought dozens of companies into the black. Buig has lectured around the world. She sits on multiple boards, including those of companies in retail, manufacturing, oil and gas, renewable energy, and automotive parts sectors. She graduated magna cum laude from Princeton University and earned an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Buig established the Reboot Foundation to promote more critical thinking. Welcome aboard, Helen. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. I am so sorry for mispronouncing your last name. Uh, my my other language is Spanish, not not uh, French. So bear with me there, okay? No worries at all. None of my American friends know how to pronounce my married last name either. Well, well, you know, I, well, good. I don't feel all that bad after. All. <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to talk about fake news today. You are the fake news expert. You founded a company called Reboot, where you say, where it's, it, the tagline is elevating critical thinking. And let me just tell you, I love your website and I have some critical questions for you. Perfect. Let's get started then. Now, why did you, first of all, why did you form this company? I mean, your, your pedigree says that this isn't what you do. <laughs> Well, like any foundation, I think it starts with a personal story. Um, the personal story is that my daughter, who is now 10, I founded the Reboot Foundation in 2018. She was just around seven years old. And she came on one day and she said, Mom, I'm trying to do a research paper. I need your computer uh, because I need to go on Wikipedia. And that got me thinking, you know, when I was at, when I was seven years old, when we had to write research, well, research paper meaning 10 sentences, really, um, I would go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. And clearly, the way children gather information today, just like for adults, over 90% of adults gather information online. 
um, children do the same. And I started asking myself, what are we doing differently in our children's education in light of the fact that they predominantly gather information online in this digital age? And that was the really the genesis of the need for teaching more critical thinking at a younger age. Now you're gonna say, how did you make that jump relative to the digital age? I think the clear message is we all know that any search engines, let alone social media, their algorithm is structured so that it prioritizes what websites or what sites you've been on already. So it's very much geared towards selective thinking and hence it's important that we really give the building blocks and the tools necessary to children even at a young age and that is critical thinking. And so in, in effect, you're teaching them how in this ocean of information, how to best select the information that, that I don't want to say the, the, the information that best not suits their needs, but it's more factual to what they're doing. It's not only factual to what they're doing, but it's also about learning to review opposing views, um, which is obviously what is lacking in our society today as demonstrated by the Capitol attack yesterday. Um, and I think these are kind of the skills that um, when it's very difficult online to differentiate even what a blog is, let alone from institutional sources, the capacity to take a step back, realize your own cognitive biases and think about your own thinking when you are evaluating, researching or forming your convictions these are very critical skills, especially in this day and age. And practically speaking in the workforce as well, as you know, um, any um, surveys that are done of people talking about what are the critical skills necessary for the future generation, critical thinking skills comes as one of three. And yet, when we did our survey at the Reboot Foundation, majority of the people that we surveyed believed that not only did they not get a critical thinking um, education from K to 12, but that their children are not getting it either. Well, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm glad that we are talking after the insurrection that occurred a couple of days ago, because I think that is one of the, that is the culmination of what can occur when uh, misinformation, fake news get out of hand. So we, we are not just talking in in, in platitudes here, we're talking about something that actually happened. So how do you define Yeah, Just as much as a capital attack, even about COVID itself, COVID-19 itself. Right. If you think about the number of myths that people believe and the amount of fake news that there is around COVID and how the virus spreads to what needs to be done it's pretty mind blowing. And that obviously is life and death matters. Now, uh, define fake news. How do you define fake news? It's true that fake news was something that was really coined um, in the last election. And originally it was uh, coined when um, they discovered that the quote that the Pope supported Donald Trump came out of Macedonia. And that was the genesis of fake news. I think now more and more people and journalists are becoming more specific in differentiating 
what is fake news. So distinguishing what is misinformation versus disinformation, for example, as you alluded to earlier yourself. Misinformation is obviously um, mistakes, mis um, somewhat misleading information, whereas disinformation is outright hoaxes and lies. And it's true that fake news kind of combobulates both of those arenas today, which is probably something that we need to be more careful about identifying. I think it's, it, you just did, made a very important statement that I think people need to understand. And that is the differentiation between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation at times can be not benign, but could have been just erroneously, as you've discussed on your page uh, at, at uh, reboot, what is it? Reboot-foundation.org where you actually talked about uh, how uh, you identify misinformation based on, I think, uh, uh, having complete information and misremembering and that sort of thing. There, there's a difference between misremembering something and outright lying about a particular event. Now, what we have in uh, that created the insurrection this week uh, was created by outright disinformation, correct? That's right, <laughs> that's right. And what we have about mask wearing, et cetera, that would be considered disinformation as well, correct? Absolutely, and and the reality is, is most people, um, at least in the COVID situation, it is a question of media literacy because a lot of people were gathering information from sites that were unknown. Very few people would actually go to the CDC site to gather information. So they were miss everything from um, in the springtime because of weather and temperature, COVID would disappear. Well, we went through the summer, it didn't disappear to um, questions around um, where, where it spread from as well. So there was a lot of different myths. And unfortunately, it comes, it's, it's just a demonstration of some of the challenges that we have where people don't know as well how to discern and gather the factual information because the internet is wonderful. We have a wealth of information, but it's also very difficult to navigate. There is no distinction between blogs, between opinions, between facts, what is an institutional source, what is a sponsored source. And then all of this is just accentuated even further and aggravated by the utilization of social media which is even more disturbing because over 90% of news that people gather comes via the social media platform. Now, Helen, one of the interesting things about it is you are not a, um, you're not a fanatic of TED Talks because uh, you don't think it presents enough of a venue to really extrapolate on information. Um, I, told, I gave I, a TED Talk. <laughs> I know. Exactly. You did give a TED talk, but let, let me just say one thing. I, I do a show one hour, uh, five days a week, and I do a blog where I do about three to five pieces every day. I agree with you. To get real information out, you have to spend the time. You have to be able to do, do the work. Um, how can we, we have 24 hour news sources right now. It seems like we have all the necessary parameters to fulfill your wants. And your wants is that we can actually structure information in a manner that it's complete. Talk to me about that. The, the challenge is it's not the work that the journalists are doing that's the problem. 
it's the challenges that you as a journalist yourself is facing in terms of trying to get your articles out via Twitter. Um, it's, it's all around that instant gratification. I'm not even gonna go into the discussion of influencers or whatnot, but the fact of the matter is um, for, you, for your articles to be seen, um, if it goes through via social media, via Twitter, you're just going to get that many clicks and that many more uh, sightings. The problem is probably because your articles are fact-checked and they're not as sensational in terms of preying on people's emotions with the titles or with the content, in social media, it's not going to be high on the ranking because the algorithm of Facebook and all these social media sites is, and even they will admit, that what takes higher priority in what shows up when you uh, go on Facebook is around content that is uh, prey to your emotions because that keeps people on their platform longer. I must admit that in given the titles of my programs, I try to get a, some sort of a balance. Uh, the, the articles all factual. I try to get a balance. In fact, when we're posting your articles, we are going to fight like hell to make sure people see the good words that you have to say by trying to give a title that will hit an emotion, but with some sort of a fact-based uh, instinct in it. Now, I have a, an important question here because you're, you're an MBA. You're also um, uh, magna cum laude, all these great things in the American uh, school or college university system. I, I, I go under the premise that in order for misinformation to grow or for any seed to grow, you have to have fertile ground, fertile land from which to have it sprout. How, how, is indoctrinating someone in whatever form, whether it is on your history, a country's history, uh, how does that allow uh, what we've seen? Uh, I, I, let me ask it a different way. I look at the, 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 the insurrection that we had this week, and much of what I see in that insurrection is not that these are bad people. No. What I see is that these are people that have heard about an Americana that has never existed. These are a people that believe they're losing something they've never had. And these are a people that the system has actually uh, hurt looking for a scapegoat. And I, I mean, think it's a, it's, a para, it's a parallel reality show that kind of is going on, right? Right. Um, I, 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 to, I totally agree with you that these are not ill-intentioned people. Um, but there are studies that show that even people who are well-educated, who are trained, if they keep continuing hearing lies and are pounded with faulty information, even if their initial instinct is to question the subject matter, just by default of being pounded with the same information, the brain actually starts believing it. So that's, that's one phenomenon that's going on. 
The second is it goes back to the fundamentals of the Reboot Foundation. If we don't build on building blocks of critical thinking skills, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, it's not comfortable to always challenge your initial instinct or convictions that you have. It's actually very uncomfortable. Very. Uh, and, and, and so unless you really make an effort to challenge your own thinking, which is the ultimate liberty, if you think about it. Um, if you don't have the habit of doing that, then the fallback is to read things, absorb things without really questioning the source or even whether or not there might be a different point of view or whether or not perhaps because of your ex prior experience or your uh, misfortunes that you might not have a cognitive bias about a matter. So that's why I think it's a combination of what we need to do in terms of media, both governments, social media companies. We really need to rethink how information is being distributed. But more importantly, I think we need to provide that education to our children, as well as us adults, again, as reminders that critical thinking is indeed absolutely necessary in this digital age. Helen, what you just said there is the magic of our conversation. First of all, the ultimate freedom is in fact the ability for ones to continue to not change their minds, but learn, which that learning may change their minds. Yes. That is important. And let me just tell you that the experiment you just talked about, I did with Rush Limbaugh. I spent one okay. day listening to Rush Limbaugh and uh, I did it intentionally so I could get out of it later on. I did it intentionally. And the idea was at the end of that week, I started falling back onto some of the ridiculous things that he said. I, it, actually, it actually sounded plausible. And when I saw somebody do something that triggered what he said, that was my initial reaction. So I actually did the experiment on myself and then slapped myself and said, oh, don't forget. Back to reality. <laughs> right. You got that from Rush Limbaugh. Um, so, I mean, I think that last statement that you made is it's imperative that we can get across to people. The, the, the biggest freedom is the ability to learn and not, not let your biases be the only thing. That's one of the reasons in the work that I do, I, I, don't, I, I, I am a progressive, very very progressive person who entertains the right all of the times, entertain in, in, in what we do all of the times. Now, in, in that light, and remember the original question that I asked you about having the, 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 the fertilized soil, therefore misinformation to grow, how important is, is what that base is? Let me give an example. I want to be clear on this one specifically. We are an exceptional country and we have been so, uh, you know, uh, we, we are the bastions of morality. A lot of those people that were marching there really believe that and they think there are changes i mean we are the country where a whole lot of bad things have occurred that we have kept out of the history books how has that not been in some sort of a way fake information that actually challenges what's occurring today 
So I'm going to ask you to expand a little bit more in your question because I know it's an important question and I want to address it. Here's here's the thing. Let, let, let me give a let me give a classic example. There are two things special about America. We're a very strong capitalist country. And number two, we were completely and entirely based on slavery. OK, and not only black slaves, but all slaves that the people who built the Pacific Railroad, they were partially slaves, but we, we don't call them that. We can we can enumerate all these particular issues. That is our foundation. Now, in that being one's foundation to have a class of people believe that you are uh, that you are exceptional in these things, don't that an insurrection that is violent in its nature, given your violent origin, not seem all that out of whack and that anything can trigger it then? So that goes back to people's sensation of entitlement or values that uh, people are based on. And I think, um, I, you know, I'm not trying to bring everything back to critical thinking, mm -hmm. but it goes back to, um, that sense of entitlement originates from your original biases. Exactly. And I think the important thing is, especially even in universities today, and this is something that I struggle with, we teach people how to write a very good thesis and a paper, which includes an introduction and a conclusion and evidence to back it up. But we don't actually challenge um, even scholars to actually look at the counter arguments to see if there are flaws in your original thesis and the evidence. And that, by definition, nurtures people's biases. Right. And then we keep building on it because the thesis by definition is drawing upon other scholarly books. So what do people do when they are studying something? They will go to the footnotes, go to um, the introduction chapter titles and look for those paragraphs that justify, again, their original bias. So, so this, this, is, this is fundamentally what critical thinking is is supposed to avoid, or is supposed to help you avoid. And, and, that, and that is why I, I, don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to change the tone of your question, but I do think that a lot of that basis relies on the fact that we're not doing enough critical thinking. Helen Lee Biggie. Buig. <laughs> Helen, Helen Lee Buig. It was my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. But before I go, I'd like to ask you, how can people get in touch with you? How can people work with you with your new organization, uh, Reboot? Thank you. So our website is reboot-foundation.org. Um, all of our studies and material are guides for parents or guides for teachers. Um, they are all online free. Um, and you can sign up for a newsletter where we will send you updates of new studies and articles we publish. Last question. What did I, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? I just, it's, it's not a question, but I do want to applaud all journalists for what you're doing. 
because I know that this day and age, it can feel very frustrating, um, especially around the things that are going on when you have President Trump that used to denigrate really the solid investigative work of journalists and what you're trying to do. Um, I can only imagine it's frustrating. And I do wanna applaud you for the work that you're doing because if we don't have journalists like yourselves, then the information that people can use to guide their decision-making is very much lost. So I, I did want to conclude with that. Thank you so kindly, Helen. And please, folks, Reboot Foundation, the founder of Reboot Foundation, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Now it's time for me to uh, salute my folk. The duck that quacks, welcome aboard. Just me, welcome aboard. Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. AVQ, Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. I have to go through this real quickly and continue. Christine Park, welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Uh, para ver, para ver, Kathy Pascal, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Blair Halfley, welcome aboard. Uh, Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. Linda E, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else is here with us. Tank28, welcome aboard. Uh, Daniel Ledo, welcome aboard. I'm still going, scrolling down, scrolling. Paul Fleming, I think I called you just in case I, you know, how the mind works sometimes. Uh, let's see who else is here. Christine, I think I got you already. Para ver, para ver, para ver quién más está aquí. Uh, Stephanie Hartlin, welcome aboard. Jorge Gonzalez, welcome aboard. Uh, Paul Fleming, I think I got you in. Let's see who else is here. If I, if I forgot your name, please just go ahead and send another quick message. And I'll be sure to get to it. You know, I like to call out everybody. Ron from uh, Periscope, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else is here. Tank28, I think I got you. I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. I hate missing peace. Stephanie Hartlin, I think I got you. Uh, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. And I'm going to go. Yakub, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else is here. I think I got... Everybody, Christine Park, I think I got you. Daniel Ledo, I think I got you. Scrolling down, scrolling up. Okay, I'm going to go back down to the bottom to find anybody new that I may have missed. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. And Norman Reynolds, the enemy of critical thinking is belief in founding myth with severe historical gaps. That is the phrase of the day. Because that is absolutely right. A lot of the mistakes that those people out there are, who went and, and the terrorists that attacked the, 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 the capital, they believed in something that wasn't true. They believed they were entitled to something based on their heritage, a heritage that, doesn't, that never said they did. Because the founding papers of this country, the constitution of this country, only endeared itself to the very, very few. It is important for people to understand things historically. Anyway, you know what I forgot to do today? I forgot to ask you guys to support us. Those of you who are on, on YouTube, please click the join and join our PDR Posse, named by Bridge MCP. Just click on join, become a member. If you're not on YouTube, just go ahead and go to politicsunright.com slash YouTube. politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Please become a supporter. Uh, if you are um, see that book on the screen, it's worth it. You want to engage with everybody, especially now. We have to expand the pie. 
go ahead and get our book. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. You can get it at Amazon, or you can go ahead and get it at our store. Where's our store? Our store is at store. Uh, politicsunright.com slash store. Politicsunright.com slash store. Get it. If you get it directly from our store, we'll autograph the book, put a, a bumper sticker in there, etc. And you get you take out the middleman. That that help us even more. You can also support us by going to our Patreon. How do you get to our Patreon? That is politicsunright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Of course, all of us doing this sort of work support PayPal. So please consider giving us a PayPal. That's politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. But again, you can support us in any form that you want. You can go to our store. You can go everywhere else to support the program. Even on YouTube, we have our T-shirts, our, our face masks, our hoodies, all that good stuff that you can get directly there at YouTube as well. Look, folks, I know you have you can be anywhere. The fact that you're here is an honor to me. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with us. But we got to get out of here. I got an interview that I got to do with Mondale uh, Robinson. And uh, when I'm done, you'll see that likely tomorrow. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.